Hello, welcome to Intellicast. It's season three, episode 27. I feel like we haven't recorded in two weeks, but it's only been a few days probably. Joining me today is producer Brian Peterson and Andrew DeSillis. Hey guys, how you doing? Hey, how are you? Good afternoon, doing great. Um, feels good to be doing a podcast right now. Um, this episode is brought to you by EMI Research Solutions. You can reach us at Intellicast at emi-rs.com. Please follow us on Twitter, EMI underscore research and Intellicast1. And you can leave us a voicemail or text. We love voicemails and texts. 513-401-5463. Um, how's it going, guys? Uh, it's just us today, just talking research and and stuff. Um, any current events y'all want to, anything, any news? I feel like it's kind of a boring time right now. Well, some sports are starting to come back. I know that's important for you and I. Um, we had the match round two this past weekend with Phil and Tiger and Brady and Peyton Manning. That was pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, I watched all of that. Um, that was my Sunday afternoon, and that was one of the greatest things ever. They Sports can learn from this that if you put athletes with mics on them, people will watch and Seeing them, that was amazing to me, especially Tom Brady, um, who was not good at golf, but also very entertaining. Um, and, you know, Phil and Tiger are just amazing, but I enjoyed it. So my question to you is, it was it, it got a really high rating, but do you think the rating was because of that it was Brady and Manning paired with Phil and Tiger this time around, or that it was that there's been really no live sports for two months and people were just craving any sort of live sports. Yeah. I think it's a little both. I think that for me personally, like I watched more NASCAR lately than I have been in the past. I probably would have not watched that entire, what it was like four and a half hours long. It was very long. Um, but something about, it's not just sports. It's about the unpredictable nature of it. Right. And so for me, I'm watching scripted shows, news, and, you know, it's all predictable. But sports has an element to it. Like, you don't know if Tom Brady's going to, you know, hit it into a pond or if, you know, Tiger's going to yell at Phil Nicholson. For me, there was a big element of I, I crave kind of the unknown, I guess. Yeah, I would agree with you there. Um, did you see that? they're going to do another one and there's talk of bringing other athletes like Michael Jordan or others in yeah. to do this. They have to keep doing it. And that's, I mean, I guess this will be one advantage out of this is that, you know, that now's the time for not just sports, but for companies to kind of experiment. Now's the time and we'll innovate and we'll experiment and don't be afraid to fail and try something new and we talked to a local company, Thrive Plan, just the other day, actually, about they are thinking outside the box and thinking so creatively, and sports is forced to kind of do it, but companies should be doing it. And um, I think we'll get a ton of innovation and changes in our day-to-day -day lives, in the products we buy, in the services we buy, the sports we watch, across the board. Um, so it goes way beyond sports. But um, yeah, that's my thoughts on it. Yeah, um, we also have, the, we're starting to see some of the other leagues open up as well. One near and dear to my heart, the NHL released their plans for restarting. They have officially ended the 2020 season. Yeah. Um, 
and are going to start with a, instead of a normal 16 team playoff, they are going with a 24 team playoff. Your top four from each conference get in, get a first round buy, and everyone else plays a play in game or a round of best of five play in series. And then they go best of seven after that. Yeah, you mentioned of, experimenting. Yeah. Well, we'll see some crazy experiments. You know, the hockey thing is cool. They were the first one. I'm impressed that they're the first sport to kind of get it together and align. I don't know if baseball is going to align from what I've read that they're really far apart. Um, I think NBA will align pretty soon. And it looks like the colleges are making progress on their sports. Um, and uh, auto racing obviously has. I think golf will. Um Tennis will. Football will be the tougher one, but they have a little bit more time. But hockey being the first one, and also it's such a contact sport, it's it's probably more dangerous than baseball. So I'm in, I'm super impressed that they were the first one to kind of, here's what we're doing, you know? Right. Um, they are going to do two hub cities, so essentially Eastern Conference, Western Conference. Um, you're just going to have all the teams show up in those areas. They haven't released what two cities they're going to be, but there are 10 in the running. Uh, the other thing I think the major difference between that and maybe the NBA and the particularly MLB is the pace, the pay for players. The NHL already did their last paycheck to players. So with the league, be, with the season being over, if you don't really know how players are paid, they don't get paid for the playoffs. You only get paid during the regular season. So the NHL players, it's just a matter of where are we going to do this? Do you agree to this format? Okay, let's go. Where yeah, MLB, the, the biggest sticking point is yeah. pay. Players want to be paid prorated salaries. Major League Baseball only wants to pay them 20%. Right. That's going to be a big problem. You know, the NBA will be closer to the NHL because they're, you know, their season was almost over. Uh, but yeah, baseball with the pay because, I mean, they're not going to have fans anytime soon. So a big portion of their revenue they don't have. So to simply prorate their salaries is is tough because – you know, you cut out, I don't know what percentage of the revenue is at the gate. It's got to be a significant amount, though. And so, man, that's it's a tough one. Andrew DeSellis, you've been quiet. I know you're not a huge <laughs> fan. Any, anything to add in what we've talked about the last couple of minutes about innovation, about sports, about anything? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, even though I'm not a diehard, uh, you know, watching sporting events on TV fan, I'm certainly a, a fan of of you know, the politics and economics of all of it. Um, yeah. It's very, very interesting to me. Um, and you know, I wonder, to what degree do you think the proportion of each team's revenue coming from television versus coming from actual revenue at the arena or the park or rink or, you know, how, how whatever f- physical facility um, where it is, where, where the event happens, right? That's got to be having a big impact on it. And I wonder as well, you know, in, in they're a, a minor league team, so I'm sure this isn't different or this is very different. But I know that like in Cincinnati, our hockey team, it, they play at um, what was formerly the, the U.S. Bank Arena, um, which is, you know, and then they're paying to use that facility. The facility is separate. Conversely, like the Cincinnati Reds play at Great American Ballpark, and it's one company. Right. 
right? And is do you know, um, as a sports fan, what does that look like for perhaps you know, most professional hockey teams? Um, I'm assuming almost all NFL teams are like that. How, do, what, how does that work in the NBA? Yeah, I've got some numbers here. Uh, it looks like for baseball, 30% of the revenue comes from gate receipts. So that's a significant amount. NFL. You could stipulate that that's MLB because minor league gets like 90%, which is why oh. minor league baseball has been canceled this season. Yeah. I'm, yeah, just speaking big sports, like the major, major leagues. Yeah. For baseball, 30% from gate receipts. From NFL, 15% from gate receipts. Um, MLS, I think it, I saw a statement that said it was closer to 50% from gate receipts. Um, so, yeah, there's, there's some big challenges there. Now, gate receipts, though, is that just the tickets or is that including actual, you know, park revenue? I, I don't know. I, I would assume that's just ticket sales. And, you know, a lot of times the concessions and beer and parking revenue and all the other stuff, that's a different, I think that's a different fund, but maybe I'm wrong. But regardless, that's a significant amount of the revenue, right? If, if baseball 30% comes from gate receipts, let's just take that for what it is. Then I don't think, I don't know how they can afford to, I can understand why they want to play players prorated 20%. And to, I think we're at risk of not even having baseball season. What do you think, Brian? Well, I think I, I would be surprised if we have the baseball season since they were supposed to, they're supposed to start like 4th of July and only do like an 80 some odd 82, 86 game season. So half of the normal amount, but the players want the prorated. So they want to get paid. So if I made a million dollars, I get half of it. Cause we're only did half a season where major league baseball wants to only pay them. Hey, you're making a million dollars. Well, I'm only going to pay you 200,000. Cause that's 20%. Yeah, that's it's also a sliding scale with baseball. And so the really, you know, the p- players that make the most money would have a larger cut than the people that made the least amount of money. I don't know. I, th- I think we're, there's a 50-50 shot of having a baseball and season. I think part of it is is because ba- a bigger issue might be that because baseball doesn't have a salary cap. Your other three big sports, football, basketball and hockey they all have either a soft or a hard salary cap so you know how much you have to pay players they players have no particularly hockey they know hey we're split 50 50 with management in terms of revenue so if overall revenue goes down that means their pay goes down too so they have to pay more into the pot right so i think that's why you those three i don't they're probably yeah there's going to be a little bit of a hit but you're going to see them play in some format or another. But baseball, that that one's going to be a tough one. Unfortunately, because here in Cincinnati, you know, that's we're a big baseball town, so that's a little scary to me. You have to think that the TV ratings for it would go up because that's the only way you're going to watch it. Is one, it's on TV, but well, that's a whole not- that's another topic that you know we've pushed everything back, and so. I can see in September we're still playing. Obviously, we're playing football. I think that'll start. I think basketball may still be going on in September, which normally ends in June. Baseball, football, basketball, maybe even hockey will go into September. Which, Final rounds, yeah. And then we're moving. You know, we moved horse racing. Like the Kentucky Derby is in September, and the Masters. I think it moved to November, 
And so I don't know, there's going to be this, and a whole another element of this is there's only so much TV dollars to go around and only so much people can watch. And people have to make a decision between an NFL game and the Kentucky Derby and an NBA playoff game, which is kind of crazy to think about. If you think it from a consumer point of view, yeah, you can only watch one thing at a time. You're going to have a glut of things to pick from. If I'm a T, if I'm on a TV network and all of my show, all of my scripted shows, I can't produce right now because they're all shut down. You're going to be able to every, they're going to be scrambling to line up to get any of these live events to fill programming time. They don't even, I don't even think they'll care if they do well in the ratings. That's a great point. Well, yeah, but also like, you know, ESPN has contracts with all this and ESPN, you know, they, you know, they only have so much airtime they can provide. Right. And once you get to like college football season, they try to air, you know, 15 games in a weekend on top of the whatever, eight NFL games on the weekend. And then you throw in a billion other sports that are contract contractually obligated to be on the same channel. I don't know. There's only so much, are they going to sell the rights to somebody else? That's probably a likely option that they'll, sublease the rights to you know fox sports or amazon or something i don't know that this whole thing is crazy to me how it's going to play out i think you're going to see a lot in the espn case you're going to see a lot bump to probably abc um you'll have a lot probably yeah that's one channel so you're some of the things like oh my game of the week for nba if that's still going on and i'm supposed to be airing college football you know what i'm going to put the game of the week on abc on thursday night and air my uh, college football on ESPN and ESPN two, they, you might see a big push saying, Hey, we're going to air all this stuff and it's going to be on ESPN plus. So go sign up. And that's what you are going to see. If ESPN wants to continue the rights of all this, it's going to have to, unless they sublease it to somebody else, it's going to be on ESPN plus and man, it's going to be crowded. (laughs) It's going to be crowded in the fall. Hey, I got my ESPN plus account. Haven't never logged into it yet. We just use it for the Disney Plus and Hulu, but I've got it and I'm ready. Yeah. Man, so much sports talk, Andrew. We brought Andrew on for the perfect one for this, didn't we? (laughs) (laughs) I guess that leads into our next topic. It this is more market research related, is that there was a new report released from JW3 JWB3 Media Insights about how essential sports is. So leading right into our previous topic, a couple of the highlights is that it found that fans are missing sports more than going to church, eating at restaurants, or going to the movies, and that sporting events are viewed as essential as restaurants and malls to most Americans. But fans are conflicted. 62% say sports on TV are an important step in returning to normal, but 54% agree that a mid-June return is too quick. What are your guys' thoughts on that? I'll, I'll go real quick, and then I'll let Andrew um, go. But for me, I'm in the camp of we need sports to be back to normal. I'm ready to go. Let's do this. I certainly miss it more than pretty much anything in my life. And so I'm in that camp that nothing is too soon. Let's let's do it right now. Let's, let's move as fast as possible. So – that's that's my point of view. Andrew, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, in general, I'm certainly a proponent of getting everything back to quote unquote normal in whatever capacity it 
can be, right? Is there a way that we could go to a Reds game at Great American Ballpark? Um, I think probably sell every other seat, right? Those are dollars that wouldn't be coming in the door at all without without that. Um, right. You know, I I think this particular report is very interesting, especially the fans miss sports more than church. Um, you know, and, and I, I would love to talk to them. Hopefully, you know, this episode, um, somebody forwards it to them. You know, it's says 47% of avid sports fans miss watching sports on TV every day. But I know that the sample in general um, was just, you know, uh, persons aged over the age of 18. So I, I would just be, I'd be interested to learn more. Right. If that were true among the general population, I wouldn't be surprised to be totally honest with you. Um, but I, you know, it, it, and this is perhaps to get a little bit more philosophical than, you know, was our intention and maybe a little bit away from the report itself. But, you know, it, it's really hard to overestimate the role that something like sports plays in our culture. Um, and that it plays, you know, not only in kind of like our, our entertainment and contentment, um, but there's also, I mean, there's like a pretty large identity component to your local sports team. Right. Um, especially if you're, you know, like a really avid fan, you know, myself not being a, I, I'm a huge Xavier Musketeers college basketball fan. Um, and that is it. That's why the, these guys keep making cracks about, you know, Oh, we brought Andrew on for the wrong episode. I don't think I've watched an NFL game in, you know, like seven years or something like that. Um, but so you, you are both pretty avid sports fans. Um, you know, what is it like right now for you with no sports? You, I'll go first. Um, yeah, go so comparing to this report, I would be a, one of those fans that miss sports more than church eating at restaurants or going to movies. I It is weird. I don't get a whole lot of time now that I have children to watch sports. Prior to them, I watched a ton. Now I have to be a bit more selective. But even now, I miss sitting down watching a hockey game or watching like right now would be we'd be getting close to NBA finals and I normally don't watch a whole lot of basketball during the regular season, but I'm watching the playoffs be sitting, trying to watch that there's hot Stanley cup, which should would be starting here in the next week finals. And instead we're not even started yet. I mean, that's a big piece and it's going a little more philosophical. It's a bit of an escape that, okay, I can go sit and watch this and I don't have to think about everything else that's going on. I don't have to think about work. I don't have to worry like as some people may like, am I, is today the day that I'm going to get laid off because of what's happening? Uh, all we're seeing is COVID-19 news. I'm, I've watched everything on Netflix. I mean, sports provides everyone a bit of an escape for this. So that missing, I think is a bit is key here. So that that's just my thoughts on it. Yeah. You're a hundred percent. I mean, how much does everybody need an escape right now? <laughs> yeah. No, you're 100% right. That's how I feel about it is that it's escapism. It's two, three hours a night I can watch, especially this time of year, like you mentioned, NBA playoffs. There's a game every night. There's a baseball game every night. You can come home from work. You can do your chores. You can mow your lawn. You can eat some dinner, and you can spend a couple hours doing a mindless activity of watching a sports game that doesn't, you know, doesn't affect your life at all. You don't think about work stress, maybe. You don't think about coronavirus. And so 
missing that is for me personally is a huge, I mean, that's a huge gap in my life right now. And Brian, I think this no sports has hit you more than anybody that I'm aware of just because you've gone down holes just trying to find stuff from marble racing to whatever. I mean, we saw competitive, we were talking about competitive tag the last episode, which if you have not seen, Fox brought that up with JJ Watt hosting some sort of mix of American Gladiator and competitive tag. It's both awful and great. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Do we want to move on? Uh, let's split this up a little bit. Brian, I know you mentioned you had a research rant for yes. this week. Jump right in. Okay, so I have two rants this week. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give two. Go for it. The first one, and this is coronavirus related, is that I, I just get tired of the market research supplier after supplier talking to the industry saying that now is the time to do research. Now is the best time. Now is the ideal time to do research. But while I agree with that, it's it's... I don't know, I feel like we're talking down to the buyers of research and the people with the dollars, who many of which whose stock prices have gone down, whose businesses have gone down, who are making layoffs and making very, very tough decisions and not just marketing research, but in all kinds of aspects. And so it's easy for us researchers to say, now's the opportunity, now's the time. And, you know, everybody's coming out and saying it. We did it ourselves. I mean, we wrote a blog about it. What probably, it was probably been a while, two months. But that's my rant is that... Um, I don't know. It just feels like a little bit too much of an overkill. There you go. Right. So now is now is the time to spend money with us. I, I think that is the key factor there. It's time to spend money because you mentioned those businesses are their revenues down, their business may be down. Well, it's also impacting those research firms. So pro- the ones that are saying that, hey, I'm down too. So I need to go out and say, yeah, now's the time to do research because- we're a business too. We need revenue. We need to survive. And we need you to spend your money with us for us to survive. I see it kind of both ways. Well, yeah. So let, let's dig into this rant a little bit, actually. Because, <laughs> because it, it's true, though, that, I mean, we've basically just hit the reset button on like 25% or more of consumer behavior, right? So if you've got the money you should probably be investing it in research right now. So what is it specifically that moves this like to a rant for you? Is it, do you think that it's a little bit, is is it tone deaf? Is it the delivery? Is it? Yeah, just that's probably a good way to put it. It's it's probably a little tone deaf. It's easy for us to sit here, depend on people to buy research to say, now's the time to do research. You know, that's all. Whereas if it was coming from a a large company, then that would be, less tone deaf if you know a um procter and gamble or capital one or an amazon or someone was saying you know or yeah i mean yeah, let's have jeff bezos tell the entire world hey it's time to do um online quantitative survey research <laughs> <laughs> right and they probably are the good companies will be doing it it's just the message is of course now's the time we all know it's a reset we all know that there's, you know, quote, a new normal. We all know that people's attitudes and behaviors will change. Everybody knows that. It's time to, you know, rethink your tracking studies. It's time to maybe rethink everything you do in research. And now is the time to innovate. And now is the time to rethink all of the research. But coming from the suppliers, it's just, I don't know, it seems a little disingenuous, I guess, maybe. Maybe I'm overthinking it. No, I don't think you are. But I just wanted to make you dig into it. <laughs> I think I think it's fair. And it's something that, you know... 
it it's I think you're exactly right that it's not the message, it's where it's coming from at the moment, right? And, and, and that we need to be sensitive of, you know, if, if we were going to call up an airline or a hotel chain right now and tell them, hey, now's the time to do research, they have bigger fish to fry, right? Um, but at the same time, too, you know, if someone listening is a researcher at a large company or, or you know, involved in commercial leadership, I would definitely tell that person that it is the time to be doing research because so much has just changed changed i mean especially anything related to you know like path to purchase um you know consumer journey mapping things like that where it's you know we're we're, we're just not literally we're literally not moving through our lives in the same physical ways anymore um and it's also different but okay, we I, I I made this last too long. You had a second rant, Brian. A double double up, double up on the rants. What's the second rant? Oh man, I don't know about this one either. This might be more controversial. You know what? I'm gonna hold off on the rant. I'm gonna I'm gonna save this rant for the next episode. I've changed my mind. I'm gonna I need to rethink it. So I, to the listeners out there, I apologize, but I'm not ready for this rant. But I have one. I have one ready to go next week. Okay, so you're balking. Okay. <laughs> yeah, Andrew, do you have a rant? Sure, I can go on a little bit of a rant. Um, this is a little bit less of a research rant and a more of a um, a sales rant. Can I do that? Can I do that? I work in sales in research, right? Yeah. So my rant right now is around, and let me preface this by saying that I totally understand why we're not traveling. I am a supporter of social distancing. Um and I am just frustrated and ranting. Um, but for everyone else out there who's in a, a sales position or you're in a position that is relationally based, you know, one of the most fun things that was a part of my job and honestly something that I think was the most impactful was like being able to go on the road and actually meet people in person. Um, and we just can't do that anymore. And I know I, I got a um, an email that one of the conferences I was going to is no longer being postponed. It's going to be held online. And yeah. so that means that, you know, there's no drinks um, after the conference day is over. You know, there's no grabbing coffee in the morning. There's no, you know, we're bumping into someone in the hall and it's just, I'm just very frustrated with all of it. And, I, and, and what I want to know is at what point will business travel resume? And I think it's probably going to be honestly up to the individual clients, like not even as companies, but like at what point will my contact at company XYZ feel comfortable going to a restaurant with me? It's probably up to them. But I just know for me, I've felt that, you know, and I know we're all going to start crazy in our homes, but as far as I, I think literally from a revenue perspective, almost, you know, I think we would be in a better place than we are right now if we could sit down and have dinner with people again. Right. Um, so that's, you know, and I'm kind of old fashioned in how I like to sell and that I place a lot of value in that. But that, that's kind of my, my rant. I'm frustrated that I can't just go see my clients. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm hoping 
that, you know, that can be considered essential enough soon enough. That's a good rant. I, um, I agree with you. And like, we, we have a local client that we have a meeting with soon zoom meeting. And I thought about reaching out. Should we just meet it for have some lunch? But then I thought, you know, are we putting people at risk? Are people liable if we do that? Like, is there a, a liability element to it? If we have lunch with a client and then, you know, one of us gets sick. Um, and But I agree with you. Like, when is business travel going to start? When can we get in front of people and break bread and have good in-person meetings? Because, you know, Zoom has been great, but it doesn't replace in-person. I think it'll be next year before anybody goes anywhere, but that's just me. Yeah, I agree with you. It's probably next year. But Andrew, I have a question for you. I get the selling with your clients, but is is your rant more about that you have been at your house now for two months or so and you have two children under the age of three and you just want to leave the house? <laughs> that's a separate point. Um, <laughs> yeah, th- yeah, that that's a separate point. Um, I am slowly losing my sanity here. And when he says two under the age of three, that is technically accurate, but it is worth painting the color that my oldest son turned two, um, two months ago. And my youngest son uh, was born in late January. Um, so we are just shy of being two under two. Um, but no, really, really, <laughs> even though traveling for work is a lot of fun, I've honestly missed that being part of the customer service process. Like Brian Lamar, you said it perfectly, like just being able to break bread with someone, sit down, do some business in person. Um, And you know, too, the the meeting that you brought up that we're doing next week, um, the type of presentation it is, how important it is, how important that particular client is to us, we would never, ever have done this presentation virtually right it would have been in person we probably would have taken six people down there um and we can look at everybody in the eyes across the table kind of see what their reactions are so on and so forth um and now we have to do it on zoom uh and and it's it's a very different experience um you know and i know i mean personally for us as well you know that being a local client, we've lost our local advantage for the last fiscal quarter. <laughs> right. You know, it's truly, it's something to, to think about. Um, but I will say conversely too, though, with some people that we're not local with, it's actually been a little bit of an advantage because we're getting on video conferencing for what would normally be a phone call. So it's kind of netting out somewhere in the middle, I think. And now my rant is really going on. But, you know, because there are people that I've seen their face for the first time while we are sheltering in place. Yep. Because the video conference call has become, you know, what we're doing instead of just a regular phone call. Yeah. And so I I definitely appreciate that. And I hope that that doesn't go away. Um, But I'm still, you know, Brian Peterson, maybe you're right. And I just want to go out to eat, man. (laughs) I assumed it was traveling to get some sleep, but sure. Go out to eat. Yes. Turn down the AC on the, uh, 
the hotel room and uh, go to bed at 8.30 p.m. Oh, man. I guess up next, Brian, we have the Insights Association Next Conference coming up next week. Yeah. With it, they this is really the first one that has gone virtual. You want to give us a little bit of a preview? Yeah, the, the first traditional conference that's gone virtual, and this is, uh, you mentioned it's through the Insights Association, and it's kind of a more of an insights and analytics kind of conference. It's less of a sales networking conference. It's more of like to, you know, build up your skill set and and learn more about methods and innovation and decision making and things like that. There's still networking and there's probably a little bit of a sales component to it. But traditionally, this has been one of the conferences is more for insights people. And so I've always wanted to go. This will be my first time attending. I'm excited. I'm very excited about it, especially because you know, they went free, they went online, and they also did it, you know, it's only noon to five each day, which is interesting to me that they did that. So, you know, all the other conferences, the quirks of the world, all the Green Book IEXs and the SMRs will be probably paying a lot of attention to what happens here and and learn from it. There's tons of good content. I'm really excited to see Roddy Knowles. He's a friend of the podcast. Um, See Roddy Knowles speak about agile research which I'm a big fan of, and it'll be the first time hearing him speak now that he's moved to Alpha. Um, there's someone from Engine talking about building better audiences through new data sources. Um, Andy Davidson from Engine is who it is. And so, you know, from a sample perspective, that's that's in more of our realm, I guess. Um, you know, Kimberly Clark is speaking. There's one about... Um, in-context research, which I'm excited about. Um, there's one about how LinkedIn fuels NPS insights using artificial intelligence. Um, so there, I think there's a lot of good content for everybody. So if you're not registered for it, you know, it's by the time you're listening to this, you, it's probably going on. Um, but, it's, you know, it's June 1st through June 3rd, 12 to 5. They have some happy hours and networking and breakout situations, which are always challenging, I think, in these conferences. But they do what they can. Um so I'll try to attend what I can. I think I look. I starred kind of twelve different um, presentations I want to see. I'll be lucky to get to five. I think um, I did block off my calendar, which you saw that that so that I could attend as many as I could. But just I don't know. It's it's. I feel like that's the new conference. Is you really have to block off your calendar and almost escape and and not check your email if you really want to focus. Almost like a real conference, you would. That's going to be a challenge for me. So that's my quick overview. My question for you is that this is really going to be the first one that's traditionally in person that is gone online. I agree with you that all the others that have postponed and given kind of TBD of what they're going to do next are watching us to see how it goes. But do you feel like this is going to change what the conference is? Because... Most conferences in person, yes, a portion of people go for the content, but then you have, well, a larger portion there for the networking, the connect, those after hours, the dinners, the coffees, the, the chats outside the room, outside the presentation room, the stuff that Andrew would be there doing, making, shaking hands, kissing babies, making deals, where I know you are going for the content. Is this better for you and worse for a salesperson? going forward? It's definitely worse for a salesperson. I, I do like the networking element of it, but it, it will help me focus because, you know, 
we typically have, when we go to conferences, we typically have conferences and people that we need to talk to for various reasons, either to maintain or build that relationship and meet in person or to learn about their business. Um, and virtually, you can't do that as easily. And so I think that there will definitely be an element of I can focus on the content and not have to worry about, you know, those kind of other objectives where, you know, my primary objective when I go to a conference at least is not to network and not to meet clients or prospects. Mine is really around the content and, and trying to be a better researcher and bring back learnings to the organization, make me a better researcher. Whereas Andrew is different. Andrew, you know, I'm sure he loves the content, but he really wants to get in front of people, right? And, and, and sell EMI and talk about all the great things that we do. For me, I think I'll miss, I'll certainly miss that. I can't wait to get back out there. And I'm the type of person that, you know, I skip a lot of the networking events. I go to the hotel room after a long day and because my mind is kind of dead. Um, that's a long-winded answer to your question. But I'll, I, in some ways, it's better, I guess. Uh, Andrew, what do you think? I mean, as far as for you, um, I, mean, I would I would think that attending virtually while your email and your phone are there and no one can see you will be a lot more distracting than someone like me would be. That's my... <laughs> My my challenge, I, I think that um, I don't know. To be totally honest with you, I mean, you're, you're you're very correct that you know when I go to a conference, I am I enjoy the content. I really do. Um, but it's you know it, that's not why I'm there, right? right? Um, as far as like my actual business objective and what I'm kind of bringing back to the organization, um, that's not my job, right? So, I mean, for me, I probably won't be attending any of the virtual conferences, to be totally honest with you, um, because you will be doing that for me, you know, and you'll come back and you'll share the insights with EMI. Um, and I, I said it before, you know, I love traveling for work. I love going to conferences. It's so fun to get to see, you know, because when I travel just to one city, you know, I'll probably see three or four clients head back in the same day. At the conferences, you know, I get to see our competitors, our colleagues. I get to see all kinds of people who are, you know, not only my my work peers, but are my friends. Yes. Too. And and so um, I'm very saddened by the virtual conference because a lot of that won't be happening. There's no reason that the great content that all of these conferences put out cannot go on, right? Yep. And, you know, I'm on the board of um, our chapter of the Insight Association. I'm treasurer. And so a big moneymaker for our chapter is our fall conference. It's the biggest moneymaker, which is in September. And we've moved entirely virtual. And so we've had numerous meetings about just funding. I mean, we're a nonprofit organization, and we depend on – um, the res registration and sponsorship to just survive as a chapter. And, you know, that's creating all kinds of challenges. So we're looking for like sponsorship opportunities for webinars. So we're, we're moving it kind of online, similar to what in next is doing for our local chapter, but it's just, you know, it's not the same. And so it's creating a lot of challenges and it's, you know, it's the next best thing. At least you're getting the content, um, the same, pretty much the same presentations that you would have seen in person, 
but it's all the other stuff which really made the conference to me, I think. So what do you think that this means for conferences going forward? I mean, do you think that we'll see more virtual conferences? Or do you think that as soon as we can, everyone will go back to in-person conferences? Oh, I think, man, I, I think that people will probably try to do some conferences in person early next year, probably before the vaccine is available. And I don't know how that's going to go. I think that people are going to try it because it's so much money. Um, I think eventually they'll go in person, but the longer we wait, the more we're, you know, we're going to have the habit of not going to conferences. And so I think they'll eventually move back in person, similar to what they were before. But I, th- I think it might be a year or two before, like IEX, you went to IEX. I mean, it's just a madhouse, right? There's 2,000 people there, huge event with tons of tracks and presentations and networking events and concerts and karaoke and breakout groups. And, you know, oh, man, I I missed that. But that's going to be a while, right? I think so. But I think I have a bit of a different opinion than you on this. Okay. So you say, yeah, they'll probably go back to in-person. I think you're going to see a bit of a hybrid coming out of this. So yes, there'll be some in-person ones that come, some that may decide, you know what, I'm going to stay digital. And you may see some new ones that are just 100% digital come out of this. I've seen some marketing ones that are virtual conferences that were happening before this pandemic happened. They've been happening for a few years. You sign up, it's all kind of on demand. You go through, they have even a virtual like exhibition hall. But right. I think you might see some more. I think you might see some more on the market research side pop up. Yeah, well, and you go saw, straight virtual. We saw the Fox Pop Me one, which I think was seemed to be successful. I haven't talked to anybody from Fox Pop Me or Zappy, but it sounded that was the first one to move entirely digital. It was a new conference. Um, the sessions that I attended were very well attended and excellent. That might that might be the one at least initially the first conference that emerges from this, that's entirely digital. Right. Um, and they, they found ways to create sponsors and, um, you know, probably at least make a little bit of money, if not break even at worst. I, you know, I don't disagree with you at all. I think there will be some hybrid and probably some virtual that emerge from this. All right. Um, shall we break it up within with, we're going to bring back Mount Rushmore today. Let's do a Mount Rushmore. All right. We have the Mount Rushmore of worst, Work from home fails, seeing as we've all been working from home for two months now. I don't know. All the days run together. Um, so, Andrew, do you want to kick us off? What is what is your first one? Absolutely. So this one actually involves um, host Brian. <laughs> um, so oh, no. in this, this could have happened separate from shelter in place. However... Ladies and gentlemen, listeners of the podcast, be sure that when you are doing a virtual presentation, that you are only sharing the PowerPoint screen itself and not your entire desktop. Because then if you message your colleague about something that your client is saying, it won't pop up right where they can see it. um yeah. fortunately you know i i had messaged brian um 
you know, I think I said, hey, that's a great question. I'll take this one or something like that. And then he popped up the window and said, yeah, oh, this is wonderful. Um, but, you know, our client had to say, uh, just so you know, you're sharing your screen. So that was definitely a pretty big fail. That was definitely oh. a big fail. Yeah, that was early on in the zooming. I think that was that feels like a long time ago when we did that. We're so lucky that you know we were saying positive things and like you know we didn't like we didn't have to say like oh my god I have no idea to answer this question. Can you BS it or something like that? You know, like we were saying, oh, that's a great question. Who wants to take it? Yeah, that's that's that is. Thankfully, we learned um, in a positive way on that one. At least I did. That could have gone really bad. <laughs> You want me to go or you want him to go again? All right, go ahead, Brian. One of our Zoom meetings, I'm not going to mention a name, but I am 97% sure this person wasn't wearing pants in a Zoom meeting. And so, so, you know, sometimes we get a little bit too comfortable in the Zoom meeting, myself included. But, I mean, I think you should be wearing pants. So that's my first That's my first one. I had that one on my list. Oh, did you? I had that on the list, yes, of pantless and or naked people in the background. Just not you're on a call, you don't realize people walking behind you, that kind of thing. Has that happened? Has that happened to you? That, that happened to me. But I have seen some of those fails online. Okay. And okay, my other one here is another one I found online. If you saw this news story, this person was fired from their position. So it had to do, it was a college professor and he was teaching, he was doing his class on Zoom and was sharing his screen, but had bookmarked his latest triple X preference. And it happened to be co-eds at his college. Uh, yeah, don't leave those bookmarks on your, on your browser, people, when you're sharing your screen. It'll get fired. Always beware the screen share. Now, Andrew, you got another one for us? I do indeed. Um, so this is not necessarily so much as a fail, just as something that's been happening a lot. Um, so with my two-year-old, basically I have to create the illusion that I'm not home or that I do not exist. Otherwise, he will do everything in his little power to break down the door to my office um, and charge in and say hello to everyone on the call. Um, and so unfortunately, you know, when I'm talking uh, and doing something like recording a podcast, which, by the way, we scheduled during his nap time on purpose, um, you know, eh, I, some of the bigger fails have been during very important meetings. Um, all of a sudden, you just start hearing bang, 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 bang on the door to my my office. And, you know, his vocabulary is going like off the chart. So recently he's been yelling like, daddy, no work, no work, daddy, all done working, no work, open door, open door, open door. And I'm like, Oh my gosh. So, I mean, he's had to sit in on some very important meetings because yeah, you know, I'd rather have him on my lap than screaming in the background. I'm sure most people can relate to that, but the specific fail was, I think it was probably one of the most important meet. You were on that call, Brian. Um, we were yeah. talking about like transitioning a large tracking study. Yeah. Um, one of the most important calls that I've been on in a long time. Right. And, the client is literally saying like, Hey, yeah, we want to do this. We can't wait to talk about it more. And bang, 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 bang. <laughs> right. Then, I mean, just the worst timing ever. So being interrupted by a toddler 
is my second work from home fail. That's a good one. But by the way, I do like it when you're on client Zoom calls and it's this is the trend I've seen is similar to that meeting is that, you know, you do your business for 40 minutes or whatever. And it's the end of the meeting. And you're normally if you're just on the phone, you're just like, okay, have a great day. But then there's this component that's emerged of commenting on things like, oh, hey, who's your cat? What's your cat's name? Or what's that picture on the wall? What does that mean? And you learn so much about people. We've learned so much, just you and I, Andrew, on all these Zoom calls with clients and just based on what what their work situation is, right? I love that aspect of it. Even if it's just a couple minutes, you learn so much more about people and can connect with them in a different way with animals or children or art or just their work from home setup. I couldn't agree more. Um, I'm going to give my, I really love it. Yeah. I'm going to give my last two here real quick. My next one is a rampant non-muter. Everybody's guilty of talking with a mute button on, but some people, I feel like every time they talk, the mute button's on and, you know, just being more cognizant towards that. And the next one is just the poor technology, you know, bad Wi-Fi, the camera doesn't work, the buffering. That's a tough one to overcome, but I feel like we're in week, whatever we are, week 12 or 11 or whatever. It's time to get that fixed. I will give some kudos, though. I had the um, pleasure of watching Northern Kentucky University's final exams a couple of weeks ago. And it's a market research program, and it's the capstone class. And I've attended it in person for years. And it's Dr. Aaron Levin at, at NKU. We've hired a lot of people from that class. It's a great program. Um, he's been on the podcast as well. And so I'm, I'm watching the final, vir- the final virtually, and I noticed they were so professional in the Zoom meeting. And I mean, for those of us in the professional world, we've become less and less professional over the weeks, right? You know, we're allowing kids and cats and whatever. It's pretty much anything goes at this point. But for this Zoom meeting, they were all dressed up. They had perfect posture. They didn't miss one Zoom meeting, and they were giving presentations and passing the slides back and forth. Not one mess up the entire hour class, and I was could not be have been more impressed. And I pointed out to the kids, like, th- this was so much more professional. We need to bring this back a little bit to our Zoom meetings because as I'm about as – I don't know if the word's unprofessional, but, you know, I'm not wearing a a suit and tie every day to work on a Zoom meeting. If I feel like wearing a T-shirt on a Friday, I'm pretty casual. We should should probably adapt a little bit to being more professional if possible on on Zoom calls. And NKU really opened my eyes to that. So those are my rants and my kudos. Right. Yeah. For how long, you know, going into day 70, day 80, for how long do we forgive the, uh, you know, the T-shirt and the the ball cap, you know, that I've been wearing forever. Right. Um, yeah, it's a great point, you know, and I, I'm thinking I'm to finish mine out. I'm going to go the opposite way. Um, the rampant, um, Hey, you're on mute. I would also include people who do not put themselves on mute and are doing the things that really frustrates me, especially when you're on a call with, you know, 20 people or something like that and all of a sudden you're hearing background noise from somewhere else um you know that that can be just as frustrating i think then just to commiserate with everyone who has been experiencing this the last one for me the last work from home fail um is the neighbor and I'm not exaggerating, that literally mows and edges their yard every three days because 
AR ward during shelter in place. Um, I should have thought, of, Andrew, that's the best one yet. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> There's somebody that knows every meeting, right? It seems like it. I'm surprised we haven't heard the mower starting up right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. Brian, are we missing any yours? I got a couple other ones. Um, it goes along the lines of your kudos and people not really dressing up. The people who look like they've just rolled out of bed yeah, or not showered and jumping on a call, it's still work, people. Take a shower. Yeah. I'm fine if you're wearing a t-shirt and a ball cap, but take a shower. Make yourself somewhat presentable. Right. And the other one is, this isn't more of a fail. It's more of a rant, let's say. Your staged video areas. So <laughs> yeah, I have set up this spot to make me look great during this video call. I've got my leather-bound War and Peace book behind me, some trophies and all that. It's a load of crap. I know you didn't read that. It's just, just show us where you're working. Right. You, you've seen where I work. Uh, there were children tents in my background for the longest time. We finally moved them and set them up in the family room for the kids. But I mean, just pick the spot where you're going to go. You had Tiger King pictures behind you. I, I think they still might be there. No, I, I removed them finally. Okay. But yeah, the staged video areas of trying to say, hey, look how great I am. And it's not just in meetings. You see it on all the TV shows of whether it's reporters or people filming from home. They're all, oh, this is my stage area. That's not what your house looks like. Right. So that that's more of a, a rant from me. I think on the other end of that too, though, there's also the person who puts no effort or thought into the the space that they're showing to their, their colleagues and their clients. Right. Um, it's, you know, you could have picked some of the laundry up off the floor, man. You know what I mean? Right. There's a happy uh, medium there. Right. All right. Do we want to move into some of the market research news? We only have a couple things this week. I think we should just kind of read them and move on. All right. First up, friend of the podcast, Jake Preslick, has been named an associate partner at Newgate Research. Yep. Good for Jake. Smart guy. Was happy to be on his podcast recently. He's um, he's he's awesome. So good for him. All right. Next one um, should come as no surprise, but a majority of UK research firm have seen significant COVID-19 impact. Yeah, I think it said 70% of the research firms on the survey had experienced it. I bet it's more than that. This article, you know, it's a week old or so. I bet they've seen an impact. You know, it's not super surprising, but it's a lot of money they mentioned in the article as well. Right. Um, our next one is a new study of marketers by Dun & Bradstreet found that investment in data quality is needed. Well, thankfully, I mean, good for Dun & Bradstreet because um, anybody that works in research should know that. So hopefully that will wake a few more people up because I think we all agree that, you know, generally we could improve data quality. Yeah. And in our final news story, Sample Chain has added uh, Decipher and Lucid co-founders to their board. So Jamin Brazil and the other name escapes me at the moment. Right. Um, you know, we know Jamin. He also has a, another podcast that's awesome. And I mean, he's kind of a legend in marketing research. So Sample Chain adding his perspective is amazing for them. And so that that really is a good move for, you know, Vignesh and the sample chain people. Um, happy for Jamin to, you know, he's probably on a lot of boards, has a lot of opportunities. And for him to agree to do that, I think that'll really lift up the industry. Yep. All right. I mean, we're at an hour at this point. You guys want to wrap it up? I think we should wrap it up. Let's just um, wrap it up. 
Andrew DeSellis, thank you for joining today. Um, sorry for all the sports talk, but I feel like we had a good conversation there just about <laughs> working from home and the impact of all this. And um, thank you for joining. Um, Producer Brian, thank you as always. Um, listeners, thank you. Give us some feedback at IntelliCastEDMI-RS.com. Follow us on Twitter, and we'll see you next week. We're, I think we're going to have a lot of guests coming up soon, so um, look forward to some upcoming episodes. Thanks, everybody. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.